Robert Half research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. I didn't know that. I didn't either. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. Interesting. Mm. That's why you need Robert Half. Yep. I don't think that's a person. That's the company. Okay, I was yeah. confused. Yeah, their specialized recruiting professionals engage with their proprietary AI. Welcome to connect businesses <laughs> of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing, and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. See, at Robert Half, they know talent. I wish I had had Robert Half back in the day oh, when I was hiring. Okay. So, no offense, Sona. Oh, it, it, I feel like you did mean to offend me. Yes, you wouldn't be here if I had had Robert Half. Okay. Visit roberthalf.com today. Apartments.com, the nation's most comprehensive online rental marketplace, is the perfect place to find your place. And they have the right tools to help you along the way. You know what? I love a 3D virtual tour. I'm not even looking for an apartment, but oh. I go on 3D virtual tours. Okay, that's not weird. Yeah, just to hope I see people. Oh, um, no, I'm on. not kidding. I'm kidding. But I like, a, <laughs> I like to see how people live. You can, you can check out their special amenities. They got air conditioning. They got the... Uh, in-unit washer, dryer, Apartments.com has over 1 million available units for rent and the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet. Sona, you have a dog. Yeah. You could go rent an apartment right now. I should. Yeah. Get I... away from your family and your kids. <laughs> okay. Uh, what are you waiting for? Go to Apartments.com now to find your perfect place. Hi, everyone. My name... Oh, Hi, my name is Colin Quinn. And I feel euphoric about being on Conan O'Brien's, about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Okay, you did that as badly as it could be done. <laughs> Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hello and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. So far, I think this is my most professional intro. <laughs> yes, didn't that sound good? That was really yeah. good. That was really good. Out of you, I yeah didn't sound like a kid who had accidentally picked up the phone while his father was talking. Yeah, your your voice <laughs> is sounding very deep right now. Yeah, I think it's uh, I'm becoming somehow during this pandemic more masculine. I don't know why. Your body is changing. My body is changing. You know what you're becoming? You're becoming a venerable broadcaster. Well, that's very nice of you to say. I think it has more to do with I have very long hair. I don't know why that would make me more masculine, but a lot of people are saying that I look like a uh, sort of a surfer guy. Yeah. And I think I'm starting to take on the attitude of a surfer guy. Are you going to surf? No. Oh, God, no. Okay. No, because that's something that involves going outside. <laughs> I looked into it, and you have to go outside and be exposed to sunlight to surf. And then I, so then I said, uh, I had to rule it out. So you'll take on the persona, but you won't do the actual Of thing. course. Okay, okay. Yes, that's yes, my, whole, okay, you're my whole life. Yes. Oh, yes, poser. yes, yes. Is right. there a word for it? Good. Yeah. I'm that. I'm, I'm a poser. Yeah. My whole life, I've taken on attitudes uh -huh. uh, without having anything to back it up. And um, I'm proud of that. Is po posers a good thing, right? Is that, is that something? Oh, it's, it's great. A, it's great. Yeah. It, gets, it just commands respect. Yes, yes. that's me. I'm a poser, uh, and this is my podcast. 
<laughs> but uh, I'm, and I'm here, of course, uh, with my assistant, Sona Mavsessian. Good Hello. to see you, Sona. Hi, good to see you. You and I are in the studio together. We've both been tested yes. for COVID. Yes. I was careful all weekend. I hope you were as well. I uh, Yes. Okay. Was I? Yes. No, oh, you don't sound too I, sure. What? I'm not. I'm never sure. The fact that I keep getting tested negative is... Uh, it's a miracle because I see my family a lot. Why are you in the studio with me? I don't know. That's such a good this question. This is ridiculous. This, this is, is horrible. Well, we are, we're six feet apart. <laughs> we are. Just face the other way. Okay. Face the wall as if you're being punished. Okay. Matt Corley, how are you? Ah, oh, I've never been happier to be here in my own safe house. <laughs> That's right. You are smart enough to broadcast from your home. Lovely home, by the way. I've seen it. Thank you. Uh, gorgeously appointed. You and your wife have very nice taste, I will oh, say thank that. thank you. That's nice of you. Yeah, there's no, don't act like there's another shoe to drop. There's only ever been another shoe dropping, but mm -hmm. maybe this will be the first time it doesn't. Let's see. I yeah. think you have uh, a, a beautiful, uh, lovely wife, a beautiful home, and I think you're a man of taste and distinction. Oh, oh no, he froze. I'm just frozen he fear. No, no, oh, look at that. No. Why did you freeze? It's, you know what? He's not, f oh, he's fine. Yeah, I think I just froze like a deer in headlights waiting to be insulted. Well, anyway... I'm just curious if you're enjoying the, the fame that the uh, podcast has brought you, Sona. You were someone uh, who was not in the bright white light of show business. Oh. A light that some say I've thrived in. Okay. A light that some say I've been incinerated by. Uh -huh. uh, uh, but you um, are getting recognized. Is that true? You know, yes. Okay, so I will say I have that type of like, hey, you look familiar kind of thing about me. That's but happening to you now. Yes, but there's this thing that happened recently that I was hesitant to talk about because it is kind of gross, but I talked about my cysts on this podcast, so I'll just talk about this too. Mm -hmm. I You did bring up you have many cysts, is that right? I, we talked about uh, me removing my cysts. Right. And then taking Several, multiple cysts. Yes, couple, two. So your body cranks out cysts. Relax, it's just two of them. That's, <laughs> it's just two. You're a cyst farm. Okay. Multiple. More than one. Uh, okay, are you going to talk about my skin? What's wrong with my skin? You have to get checked by a dermatologist like every four weeks. Guys, we got podcasts. We are actually recording right now. Just <laughs> no. this podcast. Anyway. I sleep in a coffin. I can't do this. Podcast. This is I have to tell this story. Let me tell this story. Okay. So I Cyst maker. Okay. Podcast. I oh my God. I have a toenail fungus. Oh, God. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. You didn't want to do this on the Michelle Obama episode? I know. I, I didn't want to talk about the nail fungus there. Listen, it's very common. A lot of people have it. I am not a freak. Stop it. Okay, so I have this. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I order this medication and it comes in a box and I open the box and there's all these fun goodies in there that I didn't order along with the medication. And then I pull out the packing slip and behind it, someone wrote, love the podcast. <laughs> this is like when I went to the urologist and he knew me not from the podcast, not from the. Uh, it was horrifying. Not from your urethra. I blame you, first of all. Yeah. You have told everyone in the world I live in Altadena. So the guy was like, oh, Sonam Obsessian and she lives in Altadena. Right. This must be her toe fungus medication. <laughs> let me let me tell her how much. So I how did that podcast. feel in that moment? Here you are, you're opening up a very, this is a very private matter, you and your toe fungus. <laughs> yeah, let which me is, talk about it. No, it's just coming on the heels of these various back cysts okay, being removed. I hate this. You can start using an assumed name. Do you think you'd ever do that? No. You know, when I buy stuff online, I'm Chiz Bitly. Okay. Well, now everyone knows that you're Chiz Oh, shit. Bitly. I shouldn't have said that. 
<laughs> and uh, it goes to a P.O. box, but it, it says Chiz Bitly, attorney at law. <laughs> and uh, then my P.O. box. And that's where I get my various sexual toys. I just can't believe that I'm the only one on this podcast who's had a tote fungus. I've had cysts removed on one on my 40th hey. birthday. Wait a minute. Why, why on your 40th birthday? What was this? Well, I had it like at its worst on my 40th birthday and it was inside my lip and it made me look like I'd had plastic surgery, like bad plastic <laughs> surgery. And then they took it out and there was a hole, like a pocket in my lip and they stuffed that hole full of gauze. And for like three days, I had to have a wad of gauze inside <laughs> my lip, not behind my lip, but inside my lip. I remember, this is a true story. I remember... I had a wisdom tooth out very late, late 30s or something. This is like five or six or seven years into doing the late night show. And I'll never forget this. They yank it out. So there was this hole. There was some nerves on the bone that were like a little exposed. And they said, it's very sensitive. So what you have to do is we're going to give you the medical implements, the little tweezers. You have to take this little bit of cotton gauze, dip it in this numbing medication, and then drop it down the hole using the little thing, and then go on the air and do your TV show, okay? The problem is, I can't see back there to do it, and they said, you should just get someone to do it for you. I got Andy Richter. So, Andy Richter, this is true, before every show for at least three weeks... It would be like the band would be playing, and the audience is clapping along. And I would sit down and I'd go like, oh, Andy. And Andy would come in because he kindly, he's a very nice guy. He's very steady hands. He'd like, I'll open up. So I'd open up my mouth and he'd dip the thing in gauze and reach back there and drop a little cotton anesthetizing grenade down this hole and it would hit the bone and suddenly I wouldn't be in pain anymore and I'd be like thanks Andy he'd be like no problem showtime and then I'd go out and go hey everybody would be like yay woo and we'd do a show and my next guest Elton John and no one had any idea that Andy had just performed oral surgery on me backstage well now we've lost every listener every single one I'm sorry but I just think that's fascinating it was like in Star Wars in the first Star Wars movie when Luke has to shoot that thing and has to go right down that hole to blow up the Death Star. Oh, that's what animal exhaust port. Oh, God. oh Lord. <laughs> well, yes, yes. Uh, maybe we've said too much. Yes. Yeah, or maybe we haven't said enough. But you said that you had this thing removed on your birthday, your fortieth birthday. Yeah. I don't remember which birthday it was, but I was all by myself. It was my birthday, and I was trying to close this garage door in Connecticut. And I closed it and the garage door where the folds are, it pinched my finger and kind of oh. crushed the tip of it. Oh. And I was like, ah! And I jumped in my car and I drove to the new Milford Hospital, which was about half an hour away, holding my hand out the window in the air. Ah! And I was on my own, not the best period of my life during this time. I drove to the hospital and I came in and I'm holding my hand in the air and the nurse, I'm sitting there and the nurse said, uh, what's your name? And I go, Conan O'Brien. And she goes, okay. And what's your address? And I say my address. And she said, date of birth. And I said, today. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Today. And I said it just like that. Today. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. And I remember she, we just exchanged a look for a second and then she was like, all right, well, anyway, uh, we got we to gotta get into the, the show. We got a lot to yes, do today. Yes, please, let's. So just to review, cystic, toe yeah. fungus. Nail. 
you think I have ugly skin? Come on. It's not ugly. God made me and God doesn't make junk. Did your mom say that? Every day, which made me <laughs> suspect that something was wrong. <laughs> God made you and God doesn't make junk. <laughs> what? Why do you say that every day? I mean, he clearly couldn't have meant this. What? Mom, you said this yesterday. And well, I mean, why would he make something intentionally so warped, so fiendish, with mottled skin, orange hair, and two dead front teeth? Because you fell in the driveway and we never fixed it. Okay, well, can we just change the topic? I mean, God wouldn't do this. This wouldn't be part of God's plan. Mom, can we just talk about anything else? I won the spelling bee today. Well, God made you, I assume, unless you're the devil's work. You're sent here as some kind of vengeance upon mankind and God's good works. I don't like this talk, Mom. All right. Sorry. Okay. I think you had a breakthrough. As well. I think you I had a, I just had a real breakthrough here, and uh, I don't. I just want to say to my therapist, "Screw you. Who needs you? I, I just need a microphone and a laughing assistant, and where I'm good." Hey, uh, I'm excited. My guest today is a very funny comedian, actor, and writer. I've known him forever. He was a cast member on Saturday Night Live and host of Weekend Update. He now has a new book. It's very good. Overstated, a coast-to-coast roast of the 50 states. Colin Quinn, welcome. Colin, you don't know the name of the podcast. You... You said euphoric, but you looked you looked like you had just lost a loved one. I do know the name of the podcast. Three questions. No. This, <laughs> this is just, this is the hardest I've heard Sona laugh in a long time. Christ. You are, this is as if we tried an experiment where we got an ape and we tried to see if we could get it to set up audio and then do a podcast. All right, let's go on. Let's go. Okay, let's move on Colin yes Colin. you should feel euphoric about uh, being my friend you should yeah. you should I believe uh, I know how much respect you have for me yes. I can tell by the way you've prepared for this podcast <laughs> <laughs> that you were prepared to do on a flip phone uh, no you know I love you you know I love you Colin and I always have you I know just, that I feel the same way Clearly, you have that dead look in your eye. <laughs> Two Irish guys telling each other they love one another yeah. in the most unconvincing way. <laughs> Colin, yes, please, on. let's start at the beginning because there's so much to talk about. Okay. You have a book that you've written I really love, Colin Quinn, uh, and it's a coast-to-coast roast of the 50 states, overstated, it's called. And uh, so many comics dash off books. They just dash them off yeah. and they make a quick buck. And there are so many good ideas in this book and so many witty observations. And I'm a big fan of good comedy writing. And this book is spectacular. So I congratulate you on your book. Now, wait, did you really read the book? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know what I wish I had said now? No, I didn't. No, because I'm shocked because most comedians, they don't read. Right. That's true. That's true. Most comedians do not read. I will maintain a good chunk of comedians can't read. <laughs> I, I would have to agree with you on that. But uh, you've always been a terrific writer, so I was... Well, don't you feel that the Irish people 
you know, not to give ourselves a pat on the back, but we are kind of known for that. Yeah, we are. We're good writers. You got your Joyce. Sure. You know, your Yates. Uh, you got your Yates. You, you got know, your, uh, your your Frank O'Connor. Yeah, you got your Seamus Heaney. You got your Flannery O'Connor. She's American, but, you know, you know, I'm trying to. Be- oh, I know my Flannery O'Connor. I know. Yeah, I, know you I mean, do. if we're if we're going to just start listing Irish writers, <laughs> uh, we'll be here. We'll be here for six days. So I don't think we should do Fine, that. Fine, move along. Yeah. What's next? Well, I want to say this is what's <laughs> let's start on this because we're talking about it. You seem like you're proud to be Irish. I'm not sure I am. Really? I, I've always been wary about my 100 percent Irish heritage. Well, I'll tell you, I'll quote a friend of mine uh, named Tom Kelly. You might know him, a writer. Yep. And um, one time Tom was sitting with me and I was saying, you know, Irish people in Boston, I go, they're just like us. They're witty. And they're smart. I was complimenting the Irish. Tom was a little bit tipsy. And he goes like this. Even in that state, he stopped. He goes, because he worked in Boston on the big day for two years. And he goes, whoa, 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 they're not like us. They're witty and they're smart, but they're mean. Yes. And that's the difference. That's probably why you have some ambivalence about your Irishness. Because Boston Irish, they're a little bit cockier because you guys are the majority up there. Down here in New York, we have to be we're our own self-contained little community. You know? Yes, yes. You had to get along more than the Boston Irish who walked around like they owned the place. Power corrupt. They did own the place. You could say they still own the place. You have, I think they should own the place. You know what? We wouldn't, we wouldn't keep up the payments is the problem if we did own the place. <laughs> New Hampshire, too. Yeah. And you left that little rat hole, that little social club to the south Rhode Island, you left that for the Italians. <laughs> I maintain the worst accent in the world is the Cranston accent. <laughs> and people talk about the Boston accent. And uh, I was once driving along at night. I was headed to a wedding. And this is a couple of years into my talk show. And I stopped off in Cranston, Rhode Island yes, to know. refill my car with gas. And... This woman who was wearing all acid wash stepped out of her car and I was wearing a hat and I could tell that she recognized me and she pointed at me and she said, eh, I spotted you. I spotted you. And I'm like, oh, my God, to be discovered and found out and accused by a pirate at two o'clock in the morning at an a.m. p.m. <laughs> Listen to this. This is this is a great line that I loved. And I, I am an admirer of your writing. And there's so many beautiful lines. And I was underlining a bunch in this book. And here you are talking about Massachusetts. Used to be the pride of Massachusetts were all those charming colonial era towns like Lexington and Concord and the House of Seven Gables. Now it's getting the finger on I-90 by a fat landscaper in a scally cap and a dropkick Murphy's hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. I love it. And I love the imagery of it. And that's something I I think uh, from all my wariness of being uh, Irish, I think something the Irish do better than ever is a concise image that knocks you over. Like that is an image. I can see that person in the scally cap and the dropkick Murphy's hoodie giving me the finger on the mass pike. I can see it. It's happened. I know that guy. And that guy and that guy knows my brother, Luke. So I know exactly what's going on. Yeah, I think it's I think it's true. I think I have some ambivalence about 
being Irish because, you know, we've got we've got plenty of our flaws. And so on like St. Patrick's Day, I was never the guy that was like, hey, I'm Irish. Kiss me. I'm Irish. Yay, Irish. I would go the other way almost. I would pretend to be Cuban just to get through the day. <laughs> I don't know how that would get you through the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sort of like Desi Arnaz Cuban, you know, yes. sophisticated band well, leader. It's true. Cubans have the uh, Desi Arnaz in particular has the opposite skin tone as us. <laughs> we do have a very time. I mean, we're the most beautiful people in the world up until the age of 13. <laughs> you know, Patrice O'Neill, who is not Irish, despite the name, he, yeah. once, he once said that uh, he goes, you Irish people, he goes, you just age horribly, but you live forever. And I was yes. Like, it's true. I have talked about this a lot. I've noticed it. I forget where I was. I was someplace and I was in the woods and I noticed this tree that had just completely crumbled over. And someone who knows a lot about trees was listening. They said, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a, I forget what, if it was a poplar tree. He said, they're junk trees. And I said, what do you mean? He said, they grow up real quick. They grow real fast. They look good. And then they just f- dry out and fall apart and muck up the yard and, and, and just end up in a heap of shitty wood. And I remembered saying, that's the Irish. We, you know, and, and you're exactly right. Young Irish people are so gorgeous. Yes. And, and uh, all of my nephews and nieces are such beautiful. And they all look like little kids that put on little suits and got on the Titanic, you know, yeah. and are off to America and it's all going to go well. And they're so good looking, you know, cut to them being pulled out of the uh, frozen ocean. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! But I'm sorry, but they look great. They look fantastic. Yeah. And then yeah. we all start to. That's why I was always in such a hurry in my TV career. I thought I've got to get going fast because <laughs> my face. When I was 30 or my late 20s, I had sharp cheekbones and this shock of hair. And in the right light, I kind of cleaned up okay. And I thought, I got to move fast because this face is going to get fat and red. And my body is going to start to fall apart. And I'm going to live a long time but look awful. And I've got to make it now. And that that fueled me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, I do. But look, speaking of Yates, who writes about getting old better than a guy like Yates? Well, you know what Yates did as he got older? No. I believe this isn't just some wives tale, but I think it's a true story about Yates that late in life, he wanted to rejuvenate his sexual ability. So he went in for some kind of weird surgery where they like put a monkey gland, (laughs) you know, down near his private areas. I'm not kidding. I think Yates was into that. And if I'm wrong, may I be sued by the Yates Foundation? But I believe (laughs) Yates was into that. Someone can look it up if they want, but I think he was mucking around. Wait a minute. You're you're literally sitting here saying one of the great turn of the century Irish psychic slash writers had work done. Like he's one of the Kardashians. Yes, and not even work that was going to help him appear better, but would help him function in the bedroom, which is something no Irish person cares about. Exactly. We're not known for like, that's the other thing. Irish guys aren't like, you know us, we're known for really pleasuring a woman for a long, long time. We're not physical, we're psychological people, mental people. Yes, we give women orgasms by bitterly complaining about our childhoods <laughs> in a kind of witty way. 
Exactly. Oh, wait, there's a note coming in. Yikes. Yes, check this out. This is in real time. The talk, though exaggerating, was not far from a bizarre truth. Yates, approaching old age with determined reluctance, had signed up at the clinic of a London sexologist. There he learned of a long sequence of scientific research by the medical profession begun with a French doctor, injected himself with an extract taken from the testicles of guinea pigs and dogs. <laughs> so there's your great Irish poet. You just, I was going to say, thank you for ruining William Butler Yeats for me. Yeah, just because he wanted to get off six more times in his life, he jammed a rat up his ass. <laughs> Man. There's a great man. <laughs> I'm devastated, but go on. All right. Well, listen, I, um, I want to get back to your book, but I want to talk to you a little bit first. Our paths have crossed many times over the many years. Times. You, uh, you worked at Saturday Night Live. We weren't working at Saturday Night Live at the same time. I was over doing the late night show. Yes. You were writing at Saturday Night Live, and then you were doing a weekend update for a while. Right, right. And uh, you know that you're adored. Everyone in comedy just adores you. You're, you're, and and then there's this term that follows you around, the comics comic. Ooh. How do you feel about that? You're the comics comic. I feel very good about that because, first of all, I have no choice. If I left it up to the audience, I would have starved to death in the night. <laughs> also, from day one, when I started comedy, I would bomb every night and the comedians would come in and watch me. I was trying to get the audience to laugh. They hated me and the comedians loved me. It's just the way it is. Yeah. You would come on my show many times over the years as a guest and you would, your speech pattern is not there to please people. I Your know. speech pattern is very authentic. You say things very quickly and you kind of swallow some of the words and you mutter things that are absolutely hysterical. <laughs> and you clearly, there's some part of you that's saying, this is who I am. You can appreciate it or you can fuck yourself. Is that, am I wrong there? I mean, I didn't do that intentionally, but it must be, it's a deep psychological thing that's, that's true. If you had asked me, I would have said, I'm coming out and doing my material. But, you know, in my when you really look at it, it must have been so deeply rooted that I would not even see that. But, yes, that's what has been going on. That's probably why I was a comics comic, because they like that kind of thing, even though to me. I'm just innocently going up trying to share my material. Well, also what I noticed that you used to do habitually as a guest, which is you'd like to kind of dig yourself a hole and then get yourself out of it. It's almost like a psychological need to, I want to put some distance between the crowd. And I'm not even saying this was conscious, but you wanted to put a little distance there and then get them back. Is that possible? Unconscious, yeah. I mean, if I did, it's unconscious. There's people that did that, like you look at Larry David, I watched yes. Larry David do that when he used to do stand-up. And I was like, look at this. He's being ridiculous. He would go up there and go, I'd like to use the two form with you people. I feel, no, to not use the vu form. And I was like, okay, unless you took French, how are they supposed to get that joke? Yeah. No, he would say, uh, he, he used to say, and this I've heard this from many people who witnessed it, Larry David used to tell comics backstage, this is before Seinfeld, before he had, right. you know, gone on to... Uh, do Curb Your Enthusiasm. No one knew who he was. He'd come out there and he really needed the gigs. He needed the money. This is how he was surviving. He'd come and he would tell them backstage, I'll do some material and then I'm going to do my two-voo joke, I think, which was, 
Should I use the familiar to form? Yes. Or should I be more uh, formal with you people and use the, I don't know, if you stand <laughs> or boo, yeah. voo, or use the voo form? <laughs> he said, and I'm not sure which way we should go. Is it the two or the voo? And he said, if they laugh at that, I know they're going to like me. And if they don't, I know that the rest of the set is going in the toilet. <laughs> so he would go out there and he would start getting a few laughs. And then he would say, oh, I like you. I like you as a crowd. Yeah. Should I use the two form of the voo crowd? And if the crowd didn't respond to that, he'd lose his temper and start yelling at the audience. And I've asked him about this and he'd be like, that's true. It's, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I did. That's that's what I did. He would he would completely commit suicide on stage over that one joke. Yes, it's psychology. It's a funny thing how it, how it you know manifests itself for all of us, you know, like on stage, like you were saying about me, I never knew I did that. And he probably never knew he did that. And he also used to go, which was a very funny joke that worked. He goes, you people are witnessing an amazing thing right now. You're witnessing someone doing exactly what they want and dreamed of their whole life. And it's still miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Did you uh, did you enjoy doing Weekend Update? Did you like it? Speaking of psychology, I I was very ambivalent. I go back and forth a lot. In retrospect, it was not really for me. And Lorne knew it, but he was too. Uh, he wouldn't yank me. But it was not it was not a great fit. I was much happier writing and doing little update segments. Those yeah. were my happiest days at SNL. It's so funny. Uh, I experienced this and you did too. And so many people, Jim Downey, Lorne Michaels has a soft spot as a, as a Jewish man from Canada. He has this strange, he has this sort of obsession with Irish Irish comedians and Irish writers. He, uh, I mean, God knows he changed my life and did wonderful things for me and for you. I know. Yes. Was he involved in your one man shows, which I saw on Broadway? He produced the Irish weight. The first one. Yeah. I saw that show and it was fantastic. I loved it. Except the parts about Irish people. Um, (laughs) Except for that 95%. I was, I was with you all the way. Uh, I could see Lorne wanting you to be, do update, and then maybe it's a good fit, maybe it's not a good fit, you're not sure, but Lorne not wanting to go tell you, you know, maybe maybe update isn't it for you. That's right. No, he, was, he had a soft spot. I mean, look, even the fact that he lets people work there for 50 years, there's people that have been there since 1975. Oh, I know. It's strange. It's like they're right. people that have been living on an island way too long, right. you know, and their frame of reference is completely off, yeah. you know? Yeah. And they'll be reminiscing about that great host from, from 1976, Gloria Gaynor. And you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> they're like, maybe she'll come back. That would be a good host. Yeah. Uh, let's get Shields and Yarnell on the show. Um, <laughs> Howard Hessman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if we could get Hessman on the show, we'd be back on track. I don't know who this J-Lo person is, but if we could bump her and get Howard Hessman. Yes, I'm very familiar with uh, with that aspect of the show. These people that have been there for Jesus since like Watergate. That's the soft spot side of him. You know what I mean? People don't realize is that he would never... Get rid of him. He's loyal to people. It was employees like that to the end. You learned, as did I, I think we both have a thing, which is we like to talk. We like to gab. It's the curse of our people. Sometimes the biggest laughs I get are when I'm not saying anything and and I'm I'm just staring at the guest 
And you can find this beauty in these silences, which is something I didn't know about. It wasn't part of the culture of being an Irish Catholic comic or an Irish Catholic comedy writer or performer or someone who was obsessed with comedy. What about you? Is that something you felt like you got better at? Yeah, I mean, I feel like, yes, I feel like this. Like when I started comedy, I would say you have to come out and prove yourself. And that it, this is this going to sound very weirdly, but that rushing to speak when you come on stage, I'm not saying take it's not Jack Benny or one of these guys, but I'm saying, but rushing out to try to prove yourself. Yep. Also, is kind of an Irish thing was a, always a bad move because it shows you're trying to get them instead of taking a second to get your bearings. You know what I mean? I know that's not what you're talking about. But I'm just no, saying. it is. It, it, no, it is. It is. It is. Because what I always do is I try to prepare. I try to have good ideas. I try to have a plan. But I always tell myself just before I go out, if it's a big crowd or just a regular show, I try to tell myself, leave space to find it because and find out who they are and what's happening out there in that moment. Right, right. So I walk out there and... I'll move around the stage, but I won't say anything right away. And it's just trying to find out what's the energy, what's happening. Right. And it took me a while yes. to get comfortable enough to do that. That's right. I agree with that. I should do that on the uh, podcast. I should just not speak for the first <laughs> half hour, you know, and let you let you, Colin, get uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable before you got here. We had a... We had a- <laughs> We had a quick time player incident. We had a lot of stuff going on. You know what I mean? Oh, no, no. Trust me. I'm going to make sure that that has been included in the in the podcast because it was too good. I was waiting. They kept saying, no, Colin's not ready yet. And then I saw my technician back out of the room backwards with a look of shock. And I was like, what's wrong? And he said, he's he's on a telephone. <laughs> He's on a telephone. We can't, he doesn't know that we need to do this through a computer. And then you were looking for a computer and I think you made one out of some maple wood. Is that true? Let's go to that whole conversation now and the moment before just to take us to break. Yeah. I think it's worth it. I don't understand. Is that like a bandana around your neck? Is that like an affectation or is that? I uh, know that's actually, I use that as a mask during, I'm going to hate to break it to you. There's something called COVID out oh, there. COVID-19. I know that you're a denier as most Irish are, but I wear this thing and then I can put it up easily. So no, it's not an affectation. <laughs> I wish it was. <laughs> it's called a fucking mask. <laughs> What's that thing you got around your head? It's very like, a, you know, Luftwaffe 1941. Well, that's, can I say something? I happen to disagree with a lot that the Nazis did. A lot, Trust me, a lot. But the Luftwaffe had, they, they dressed nice. Yes, they did dress nicely. And so I'm not going to. Yeah, Hugo Boss. Hugo Boss designed the outfits for the Luftwaffe and the Gestapo. And uh, so you telling me I'm dressed like I'm in the Luftwaffe. I'm like, thank you. That's a compliment because they spent much more time on the cut of their uniforms than they did figuring exactly how they should be bombing Britain. Yes. We have a lot to talk about, Colin, and I'm glad we figured out the tech stuff. And I, I want to make sure that all of that is in there. Um, wait. Oh, we're not finished with the tech stuff. Oh, oh, OK. My team is telling me now that that apparently we're not even close, Colin. <laughs> what happened? Uh, what happened? We're not finished with the tech stuff yet. 
Sorry. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I turned it, I shut it down. Is this for legal purposes? So when we have off. <laughs> yes. Yes, because Colin, I hate to break it to you, but I am suing you. I'm going to sue you, and this is going to be part of the lawsuit. Okay. By the way, in the interest of full disclosure, I'm never sending you guys this recording. <laughs> Trust me, if you did send it to us, I know that you would mail it to us in like a bulky brown package. I mailed a whole, whole cell phone. It would show up the way the Maltese Falcon shows up in that movie. It would be covered in wax paper. I swear to God, we're putting this stuff in there. Do you hear me? Speaking of falcons, are you into falconry with that thing around your hand? <laughs> I have a little mini cast around my hand because I injured my thumb two years ago and every now and then it flares up. But uh, if you're going to make fun of me for my ailment and say that I look like I'm into falconry, I'm now taking the thumb brace off because it's there attached with Velcro. So there, I no longer look like a falconer in the Luftwaffe. Do you have a microphone we're using? Where's your microphone? Oh, oh no, I gotta get my mic guy. Right, hold oh, on. Oh, for God's sake. Oh, Jesus. What? He doesn't need a microphone. Does he need a microphone? No, where did he go? He just left. Okay, come back. Colin. What did you do? Come back. You don't need a microphone. You don't need a microphone. I was okay. confused for a second by the All sheer right. breadth of your unprofessionalism. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Colin, uh, we. we... <laughs> okay. Let's it's start like... with the thing in the chat. And then we're, then we're good. Uh huh. Okay. Let's begin the podcast. We already began. We're at 215. <laughs> Very good. That's your cholesterol, Colin. That's not the time. That's your cholesterol. I, too soon. I had a heart attack two years ago. <laughs> uh-huh. It's not too soon. By making that joke, I'm helping you stay aware of your cholesterol levels and showing real concern. Yeah, maybe. So right. you should thank me. I took it the wrong way. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, sorry about the heart attack. Should have been your research. It says right here at the top, don't mention cholesterol. He had a heart attack two years ago. I should have read that part. What? See, I've, I think we have a great podcast already with what's just happened. I do too, yeah. Okay, ready when you are. Um, okay, back to chat now for this line. Okay, well, it's not, there's nothing there except he doesn't need a mic. I hate it here. <laughs> I absolutely hate it. I hate it at my own podcast. <laughs> It's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Okay. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it it down I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. 
Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. You know, our podcast, we've been doing it for five years now, and it's changed over the years. Yeah, yeah, it has. I've gotten better looking, I think, stronger. Oh. Um... You no. seem less mentally sharp. I oh these I things just happen. Was you know, thinking other things. Well, whatever. With like time, the studio. We got a new studio. Oh, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we got a new studio. But uh, you know what? One thing hasn't changed, and that's the great taste of Miller Lite. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this on the drive in this morning. So much has changed, but not the great taste of Miller Lite. You were I thinking s- about Miller Lite this morning. I on shouted the way in? it out the window at the car next to me, and the guy gave me a thumbs up and said, "I agree." <laughs> <laughs> it was the original light beer, and to this day, it's still the best one, if you ask me. Yeah. I like to have a good time. You know that. I'm good. Uh, you love to party. My name is Conan Good Time O'Brien, yeah. and I get together with my gang, my squad, and we crack open some Miller Lights, and all is good in the hood. <laughs> Undebatable quality, great taste, and guess what? Mm. I ran the numbers myself. Yeah. Only 96 calories. Wow. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. It's a light beer that tastes, guess what? Ding dong, open the door, like a beer. <laughs> the original light beer since 1975. Red Sox won the pennant. Anyway, times change, but you can always enjoy the great taste of Merle Light. Tastes like Miller time to get Miller Light delivered right to your door. Visit MillerLite.com slash Conan, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Hey, you sell beer? Yes, we do. Bet you have Miller Lite? Yes, we do. <laughs> hey, Muppet, why are you working here? I'm not sure. Celebrate responsibly. <laughs> Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, what's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you, what would you do? Would you read a book, Sona, take a nap? What would you do? I'd probably watch TV. Yeah. Well, a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. Uh, the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Well, guess what? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Mm. I think I'm a big believer in uh, therapy and just talking in general, mm-hmm. um, getting uh, whatever negative feelings you have inside of you out. If you're thinking of starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So all you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and then you get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Conan. (laughs) 
You've written this book, which I again I'm gonna I'm gonna plug throughout rather than waiting to the end. Overstated a coast to coast roast of the fifty states. You've written this book that I really do love, and I think we have something in common, which is I love history. And you go through state by state, and what I love about the book is very funny. You say uh, here you are in uh, Louisiana. One time I landed at the airport and the cab driver, who was at least 400 pounds, stopped halfway through the trip and made me get out and pump gas while he went into the store to pay and pick up some goodies. And he came out with a six pack of beer and opened one while he was driving me and offered me one. And it was 1030 a.m. That's New Orleans. But you're approaching this in the way that I personally agree with, which is we're not better than any of these people. You're just noticing. That's clearly we're in a moment right now, a national moment uh, that's really terrifying. But you, there's a lot of affection in here. Yeah, I mean, I've really, you know, I would say the country really grows on you after a while. And, uh, <laughs> and I feel like people are uh, like so definitive nowadays. They're just completely rigid. This country is even the worst place or the best place. And there's no in-between, no contradiction. There's no nuance. It's it's so ignorant. But these are the two sides that, that run things. Even the expression, oh, that person's a both sides -er. Oh, you mean they're trying to find a place we compromise so we don't cut each other's hearts out in the street? Yeah, if that's a both sides -er. You mean? It's yeah. crazy. How do you feel about comedy right now. There's a, a, a lot of angry comedy. There's this, you know, it's a smokescreen because you're not getting laughs. So you think you're being transgressive. But if you're not getting laughs, you may be, a, you can call yourself a prophet, a philosopher. Uh, you can't say you're a comedian if you're not eliciting laughter. That's not comedy. But there's this myth of the Lenny Bruce type comedian right. where everybody still wants to live in this, you know, imaginary smoke-filled state where this guy's blowing the, you know, the middle class people's minds. You're not shocking anybody. What's shocking is if you're being funny. So I'm saying a lot of people will try to be like, man, like you said, they're like, I, I made people uncomfortable. It's like, you're right. That's not the definition of a comedian. This is, and I'm not saying don't make people uncomfortable if you're getting laughs. When Lenny Bruce spoke against the Catholic Church, for example, that was speaking truth to power. That was 1960. That was could have got him killed, could did get him arrested. But nowadays, I'm not saying you shouldn't make fun of the Catholic Church. Of course you should. But, but the, the thing is that the stakes are not nearly what they were. That's all, yes. Because the other thing, too, is there used to be in the 40s and 50s and in 60s, you could ruin your career. Your career could be Absolutely. over if... You spoke truth to power if you got out of line, if you were the Smothers Brothers, famous example, and and your show was very vocally anti-war and it was on primetime television right. on one of three networks. Anybody who hasn't had 100 death threats on social media hasn't been on social media. And they'll take two comments and go, I spoke and I got death threats. Everybody gets death threats on social media. It's nothing, it doesn't make you, but people want to use that to make themselves seem like they're taking edge. You know, if you're a comedian in, in, in the Ukraine right now, that's speaking truth to power where there's actually consequences. You end the book with one of my favorite quotes of all time, um, which I can't believe more people aren't citing right now. And I will get to that. Is it Yates? It is not Yates. <laughs> well, you do have a quote in here about Yates, which is, I uh, tried to do it last night, <laughs> had some trouble. Uh, the missus was unhappy. <laughs> 
Uh, I've heard about this. This is great. Heard about this <laughs> scientist who says I should get a hamster and shove it up my ass. <laughs> As it tries to fight its way out, it will excrete an oil, and uh, this will give new potency uh, to my erections. Well, off to the doctor. That was one quote you put in there. I can't believe you put that in there. Off to the doctor. Who writes well off to the doctor, by the way? Who writes that? This is a great writer. I can't believe Yates did that. Who does that? <laughs> Although Yates does have one of the greatest quotes of all time, which is the worst are filled with passionate intensity, the best lacked all conviction, which is kind of relevant to today's society. No, it is. It's uh, it's you make this great point in the book. You're you're sort of bringing it out that the United States because people keep. Everyone in this moment uh, is is trying to figure out, is this country on the precipice of something, uh, you know, cataclysmic? And you said the U.S. is a 50 statewide couples counseling session. Right. And we're thinking about filing for divorce, but we're not sure. And I thought that's a very apt description, (laughs) I think, of where we are, which is. This is the price of being in America, which is it, we're, we're a big country. We're an extremely diverse country. We uh, have completely different ecosystems on one landmass and completely different histories and values. And so, of course, it's messy. And like a divorced couple, we fight over money. That's true. We do. And and then we realize, hey, it's a 50-50 state. It's L.A. She'll get half of what I've made. <laughs> I'll have to keep doing the talk show longer. This isn't me, I'm saying. I'm just saying this is my analogy for where Mark is right now. And then Liza's like, well, wait, you know, if you're so unhappy, why don't you just leave? And I'm like, no, 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 Liza. Liza Powell O'Brien, we can't afford that. You know, I'm not going to be cut in half financially. And then the kids come in and they're crying. And Beckett's like, fuck you, dad. Nev is like, you know, you're so selfish. You're always about money. Can't you see mom's crying? And I'm like, quiet. But anyway, that's America right now, in my opinion. And that has nothing, nothing to do with me. No, I didn't take it that way. (laughs) (laughs) you know um various people have various degrees of talent some people have a stunning amount of talent and some people have less and some people you don't even know where they're coming from but to me the the game changer is who understands that it's about work and that's something that i think really has always set you apart. You're, you're such a good thinker and writer. And I look at this as, again, I'll say it again about your book. So many comedians can just put out a book and they, they fill it up with some pictures and some quick, funny ideas, and they know that they'll make a quick buck. And you've got so many funny ideas in this book. It's really just loaded with them. I do feel if you put the effort in, the truth will out. Do you hate compliments? Do you have a hard time with compliments? I don't. I'm actually loving it. So how are you with criticism? Criticism, I'm not as good with. I pretend to enjoy it. I'll be like, hmm. And then my eyes widen. And yeah. meanwhile, I'm furious. But I'm like, hmm. Right. You would say, Sona, I'm terrible at people try to compliment me. And I'll yep. see the way that it's an insult. Yeah, I actually, I mean, I'm surprised Colin likes it. I thought it was like an Irish it is an Irish thing. To, to not take compliments very well. I don't know. Maybe. I, once, I once saw Carmel Quinn. She's an old Irish singer. And she was on stage and she did a joke. She goes, here's an Irish woman getting a compliment from her husband. 
Darling, you look beautiful tonight. Oh, shut up. <laughs> no, it's true. It is true. It it's is like true. A, it's not just an Irish thing. It's sort of a UK. There's something in the in the United Kingdom. I think in general, you know, include uh, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, uh, England. You can't. And I think we all accept it. Occasionally, I'm around somebody. Um, I was talking to the great actor. Malcolm McDowell recently, and we know each other a little bit. And he's just, I I think he's from Liverpool, but he's just so funny. And he was so great, just right away picking up on, ah, Conan, you're an ass. You're a fool. You know, I can't believe they let you on television. It's an abomination. And he's doing all that. And I'm laughing. I'm laughing. And his wife is saying, no, no, stop it. Stop it. And then she started saying, Conan, he doesn't mean it. He really does love you. And I want to say to her, I, I trust me, this yeah. is how we talk to each other. Yeah. Because the worst thing... I could say to Malcolm McDowell is, you know, you really are an amazing actor. (laughs) He'd never talk to me again. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Or if he said to me, I really do think that you have a quick mind, I would never speak to him again. Yeah. yeah. That's how we are with each other. (laughs) That's why I'm complimenting your book, because I don't ever want to have to talk to you again. (laughs) 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 I totally want you out of my life. So I thought, how do I do it? (laughs) <laughs> and then I, it occurred to me, I know, I'll just tell him how much I love the book. <laughs> and I'll tell him I read it when I haven't read a book <laughs> since 1978. You end the book, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this uh, quote because I love this. You sort of make this point at the end that it's up to us, America. And you do it in this great way, which is, you quote, my favorite person is Abraham Lincoln. And he says, all the armies of Europe and Asia could not by force take a drink from the Ohio River, or make a track on the Blue Ridge in the trial of a thousand years. No, if destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we will live forever or die by suicide. That's how you end your book. And I was so, I like teared up when I read that because it's one of my favorite quotes. Lincoln understood, no one's conquering this country and destroying it except us. Right, right. It was so weird that it's, Seems like that's what's happening now, you know? Yeah, and and it was happening then. We've been here before. I think the internet is what's accelerating everything right. yes. and making it much more intense. But we've been here before. And with any luck, if we get to keep going, we'll be in this place again. Well, what saved us last time was an alcoholic president. We need a president that's an alcoholic, like Ulysses S. Grant. Uh, can you expound on that, please? Well, I'm glad you asked me that. Um, the reason- I'd, like to just, I'd love to just say, oh, yeah, of course, but I'm not going to because I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I mean, you need somebody who, while everybody's freaking out and everybody's like, oh, my God, you don't need somebody who's exacerbating or who's just tense or freaking out. You need somebody who's like, ah, it's fine. And I guess that's what Grant must have been. A guy who was like, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. As I know that you, I'm going to assume you've read Ron Chernow's recent book, Grant, which I did, <laughs> cover to cover. But um, no, Ulysses S. Grant was not stumbling around the White House all the time, burping and knocking off cans of 40s and like banging them around the floor and saying, it's fine. <laughs> 
That's not who he was. Well, guess what? If that's, I guarantee. I just praised you for having all this historic knowledge, and now you've reduced Grant to this tipsy, lovable drunk who is too souse to do anything about the country, and that ended up being a good thing. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that if he wasn't a drunken maniac stumbling around the White House, I guarantee Ron Chernow was disappointed when he started doing that. <laughs> I found out that he wasn't. <laughs> he must have been like, what am I doing writing this book? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I know, I'll do Grant. It'll have all these great stories of him mooning out the second floor of the getting totally trashed. And then he found out, yeah, he struggled with alcohol and it was a problem. But uh, throughout his presidency, he really had it under control. And he showed a lot of uh, showed a lot of restraint. <laughs> and yeah, yes. And then there were these uh, interesting issues to, oh, shit, this isn't a good book. This is a terrible book. All I'm saying is sometimes a, a drunk can be a good, I mean, there, a lot of leaders, look at Winston Churchill. I mean, he wasn't an alcoholic per se, but he was what they call a heavy hitter. And he smoked like, he smoked like tw- 20 cigars a day. Yeah. Obviously, he had a lot of issues. Yes. And he was a great statesman. My, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite quotes about Churchill was I asked a friend of his, do you think Churchill's an alcoholic? And his friend said, oh, my God, uh, no, no alcoholic could drink that much. It's <laughs> <laughs> like that's the greatest quote. But look, yeah. logically, look at it this way. Look at Trump. Trump doesn't drink, doesn't smoke. So he takes all that subliminal psychological, uh, that psychotic thing and focuses on the country. Yes. It'd be better if he was drinking heavily and smoking yes. cigarettes. Yes. Some of his self-loathing would be channeled into these vices. Absolutely. Instead of into us. Yeah. yeah. Let's hope that he starts drinking heavily. The next president is going to be an, uh, it's going to be a, a meth head, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just ask you one question? Because we're about out of time. But this entire interview, you've been holding a stack of money and waving it around in my face to make points. And it looks like a couple of fives, five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. It looks like you've got about $40 there and you were waving it around. Why are you, I'm not a stripper. Why are you? It's $67. Okay. Okay. Why are you holding $67 in your hand and pointing it at me when you make a point? Because it feels, I don't know, you know, all the great actors, they always have like, they say, oh, this is what informed my performance, like Marlon Brando. Oh, I stuffed that in my mouth cotton and suddenly I was the godfather. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Great technique. Um, <laughs> so for this conversation, as a man of letters, first of all, you should have seen the symbolism. Now that I think about it, even I didn't know what I was doing. Lincoln. Yeah, there he is. You see money. I see history. Okay. Okay. Wow. You just shamed me. You just shamed me. <laughs> You're so full of shit. I love it. I love it. You ruined Ireland's premier poet, Laureate, for me. <laughs> That's what I'm taking out of this interview. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeats was an amazing poet. One of the great poets of all time. And I love Yeats. But when he couldn't get it up anymore, 
he sought out a rat and a hamster <laughs> and wanted to squeeze out their essential oils and shove it up his ass. <laughs> Oh and I can't when I read Yates, which I do from time to time. That's something I think about. Oh, How badly do you want an erection? How badly? I don't want rat oil up there. Oh, oh man. You're a great man, Colin Quinn. You really are. Thanks, Colin. You too, man. You're you're a great man. And uh, the book is overstated. A Coast to Coast Roast of the 50 States. And you know what? It's really funny. And uh, I will say elegiac and packed with great imagery and intelligence and uh, a fine piece of work from a fine man. Colin, thank you so much for doing this. And for Christ's sake, next time we talk... I want you to be prepared. I want you to have a real computer. You know, we did this through a Commodore. And uh, <laughs> a Commodore, and you hooked it up to rabbit ears from a, t- from a TV set from 1967. <laughs> Thank you, Colin Quinn. Thank you, Thank you so much. You know, I made some personal moves in 2023 I'm pretty proud of. Oh, really? Yeah. Good. Well, I sculpted my body using weights, various waxes. Uh, I won the lottery seven times. There's a lot of things I did. No, but you know what? Think back on everything you did in 2023, big or small, no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Mm, yeah. That's good. Did you finally switch careers to pursue your real passion? That's a very brave move. Maybe you quit your job to stream video games online full time. Awesome move! Exclamation point. <laughs> Did you hit the books and snag the degree? That move deserves a high five. Or maybe you rode the stock market to the moon and back. A move that can sometimes make you queasy. TurboTax I experts get it. make all your moves count. Getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. Filing with 100% accuracy and getting your max refund guaranteed. Switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. <laughs> See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Conor Brian Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT. Introducing ADT Self-Setup. Featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cam and the Nest Doorbell with a battery or wired option. Your choice. Easily install the ADT self-setup security system at your convenience. You don't need heavy-duty tools. And if you do need help, ADT can provide virtual assistance along the way. Self-setup from ADT grows, moves, and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. It also features Nest Cams. They can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. These things are getting so smart. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just one quick tap. Now, everyone can get trusted security from ADT installed your way with no long-term contracts. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, (laughs) you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are all trademarks of Google LLC. I want to 
wanted to alert you guys to an article that's been written about Conan O'Brien needs a friend. Mm. Okay, as you know, I I don't read my press. People just sort of tend to give me the gist, like, ooh, you are hated, or Mm -hmm. you dodged another bullet. What's this one? Well, you don't need to worry, even after I give you the gist, about being able to decipher what the point is, because it's from the Pledge Times article, and it's clearly been translated from another language by an AI or Google or something into English. And I just Wait, can you slow down a little bit? Because I don't understand what that means. What does that mean? Well, I think that this article was originally written in another language, but some kind of platform translated it into what it thinks is English. And when I read some of it, you're going to understand what I mean. Okay. Ah. This is a Google translated foreign article about our podcast. This should be interesting. As best as I can figure. Let's see if we can decipher some of it. So these are just highlights. All right. Identified for his personal TV speak present, American Conan O'Brien immediately makes top-of-the-line podcasts on this planet. <laughs> so I think that's pretty good. This is fantastic. Okay, what am like I called again? American what? Am I American? TV speak present. I am an, you know what? I am an American TV speak present. That's great. Here we go. How what number of podcasts are there on a dozen random avenue customers? No less than 13. What is this? So far, I understand everything. This is how my brother Luke talks, by the way. Luke, if you're out there, this is what you sound like to me. The provision of podcasts is so overflowing that there are, in all probability, an infinite variety of high-quality podcasts as nicely. Oh, okay. So what they're saying is, we have a good podcast, but there are so many of them out there that are really good, it doesn't really matter which one you listen to. (laughs) Your guess is as good as mine. I think so. So many of your good podcasts? No, no. Just so many podcasts of high-quality in general. Isn't that what they mean? (laughs) Is that what it means? I think that's what it means. All right. Yeah, which is fair. There's a lot of great podcasts out there. Who are we to say we're any better than any of them? Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, I guess. False sure. modesty, false modesty. I Go know, ahead. I know. <laughs> all right. Personally, I've left, and this is all one word, Media Mezimani, just one <laughs> podcast, which I pay attention recurrently. It's Conan O'Brien wants a buddy. <laughs> Conan O'Brien wants a buddy? Wants a buddy. Wants a buddy. Okay. Well. (laughs) Together with his assistant, the second presenter of the podcast, Sonam Obsessian, with normally simply going through the stink. (laughs) What? What? I'll read that again. I'll read that again. You only have to read the second part again. We know what second presenter is Sonam Obsessian, and then it gets crucially important. Listen. Sonam Obsessian with normally simply going through the stink. (laughs) Well, is it not true that you normally simply are going through the stink? Yeah. Are are you the stink? Am I just going through? I don't know what you've revealed to this reporter. You clearly had some sort of... You think I spoke to them? I think you spoke to them, and you revealed a lot about yourself. That's insanity. Yeah. As Please well tell me as oh, good, oh, good. the producer of The Present, Matt Gorley, brings its personal addition to the episodes. Conan's speak-present profession has turned to the conditional aspect. He was close to the highest for a very long time, popped proper on high and rapidly dropped out of there because the countless stupidity of the present enterprise pamphlets. 
Oh, what? So that that sounded like a burn to me. Yeah, it's like a sick burn. I don't know. I think. Wait. So I was I was doing well. Yeah. And then I popped out because of the present pamphlet. Yeah. Enterprise pamphlets. Present enterprise. You were on top, and then you fell. But I mean, we all know that. But it gets really (laughs) philosophical here following that. Apparently, nevertheless, each wall actually is a door, as now Conan makes top-of-the-line podcasts on this planet. (laughs) Okay, so I fell, but uh, and I encountered a door, but then that, I mean, I encountered a wall, but that had a door through it, Uh and then I became a podcaster, Yes, and that put me back on top. So you you failed as a TV host, and then you thrived in the podcast medium. Great. Cool. Terrific. Thank you for underlining that. <laughs> so you failed. You were really good, and then you failed at yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I failed terribly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Conan's peculiarity, a weird mixture of self-belittling, openness to psychological well-being, comedian language, historical past fanaticism, lightning-fast improvisation, and a community gathered through the years of one of many brightest friends match into an intimate podcast format higher than another dialogue. I've ever heard. You know what? Wow. I'm going to take that. That was fantastic. That actually, for a second, the computer became alive yeah. because I'm so good. The computer was like, it broke through and said, damn it, this human is worth saving. Once yes. We- or like, this is the moment that Skynet becomes self-aware and the first thing it's chosen <laughs> is Conan. That was a beautiful sentence in its own yes. way and very true. And I do think, I think the robots are becoming self-aware. Mm. I think the internet's becoming self-aware and the first thing it's doing is saying Conan O'Brien is a great podcaster of all humans. He should be the king when we take over. Isn't that what you guys got? Uh, Yeah, I'm getting that. Yeah. What I was going to say was I think it's really nice that all those things come across even though they don't seem to understand English very yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> your self-deprecating humor, your improv skills. I, it's nice. I, it ended up being, is that it? Is it done? No, there's just two little more. No, okay. I'm, I'm, I can't I, get can it I just say, uh, yeah, I mean, other than the fact that I failed with my media pamphlets, uh-huh. um, <laughs> but then went and, and hit a wall that turned out to be a door, I'm so far I'm okay with this review. This is one of the nicer reviews I've ever heard. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I think it gets better from here. Um, as well as Conan's fashion works higher in longer interviews than briefly speak present grunts. Mm. I haven't laughed with another podcast as a lot. Wow. Extremely, the head of Conan's profession is outdoors of TV. Conan O'Brien wants a buddy on all the main podcast companies. Oh my God. First of all, doesn't this read a little bit like E.E. E. Cummings? You know, yeah. it's got like a yeah. sort of a weird, it's like a very modernist poet. It's got a little bit of Joyce in there. It's a stream of consciousness kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, it feels a little like it's a little Ulysses Finnegan's Wake uh, sort of teamed with an old modem hmm. that's melting down <laughs> <laughs> because someone put cheese in it. <laughs> you couldn't ask for a better review. Uh, that's, that's really the good. Pledge times and uh, that's those are just selected highlights. So if that is fantastic, that I want that robot doing my eulogy. <laughs> when I go. And I hope it's not for a long time, but when I go, Sona, look into it. I want there to, you know, everyone to come show up. Sorry, but yes, the casket's there. And then they put this computer 
up on the uh, up on the altar. Now six feet under, Conan was once the present, but his emphasized pamphlet in ground. Lost Conan, live no more. Heart unbeat, clown, foolish propaganda fell, now forever. God's arms holding. Food for worms, I knew him, Horatio. Body moldering slowly. That's awesome. Death, autoerotic asphyxiation. Oh, no! Unfortunate, not mentioned press pamphlet. Secret till now. O'Brien with belt self-choked. <laughs> Explains it. <laughs> O'Brien found old poster Farrah Fawcett. <laughs> My God. Family not told. Computer mistake just made. Sorry, all. Wife crying. <laughs> this is the best funeral ever. I can't oh, wait. I want you to stage your death just for that. Trust oh. me. I'll, you know what I'll do? I'll fake it. I'll fake my death. Please. That computer, I want a computer, oh. I want to see, yeah, I want it to be like a bad late 70s Commodore, early 80s. Yeah, and I yeah. want it, I want it, uh, I want it dressed in a black suit <laughs> and put up there with this, <laughs> this crappy old computer. Sad B.I. <laughs> it knows the secret you haven't told oh, and then it, And then the computer, for some reason, it talks about me very briefly and then goes into the, the embarrassing way that I died. And it goes on and on at length <laughs> for two hours because it gets stuck in a cycle. And people like my wife leaves, my kids are ushered out. <laughs> And it just keeps going on and on. Belt used. <laughs> type of belt. The color of the belt. Oh, man. Undoing sex was. Um, wow. Incredible. That's fantastic. I, I salute you for bringing that to our attention. That is a joy. Yep. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Becton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. 
Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.